welcome to the Retro Life For You podcast, the only podcast for your retro needs. Chris and Travis will be covering everything 70s through 90s with a strong emphasis on the 1980s. That's right, each week they'll be coming at you out of the blue with new shows on music, movies, TV, toys, and more. So step into our time-traveling phone booth and dial that number 867-5309 and be instantly sent back to a better time and place. We'll be walking tall and having some good times and happy days, and if anyone tries to bring us down, we'll just tell them to beat it. And just when you thought the entertaining couldn't get any better and you wondered to yourself, how do they entertain us so well? Well, it's like my old friend Jack Bird used to say. It's all in the reflexes. What's up out there, people? Once again, this is Dutch Dallas and me... I'm just a lowly, lowly announcer bringing you the inside scoop on the Retro Life For You podcast. This episode, Chris and Travis are going to be talking about the king of the splits versus the king of the squints. That's right, Jean-Claude Van Damme versus Steven Seagal. Buckle up because your earballs are about to be under siege as this podcast is about to become a blood sport. Chris and Travis are about to light that fire down below, but don't worry, they can handle any situation. After all, they are universal soldiers. Now sit back and relax, grab you some junior mints and some popcorn as these two battle it out to see who was the king of the 90s. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the podcast. My name is Chris Adams, the host of the show, and alongside me today, as always, Mr. Travis Rollins. Here I am. Here he is. <laughs> you can't get rid of him. I'm not going anywhere. I'm, like, I'm going to be right there with Keith Richards and the cockroaches after the nuclear fallout. <laughs> he's like a bad penny. He keeps showing up. You just can't that's get right. rid of him. But that's good, though. We want him here. We want him here. Hey, uh, we got a great show today. We are going to go over Van Damme versus Seagal. And oh, yeah. Anybody that's been under a rock, that's Jean-Claude Van Damme and Steven Seagal. Great action people of our childhood. Great action heroes of our childhood. Uh, I would say probably the most prolific in the 90s. Uh, yeah, they're, they're, most of their best work was probably in the 90s. Um, both of them got their start in the late 80s and most prolific stuff in the 90s. And both of them carried over into the 2000s, which we may give you just a couple of titles, but we won't go over those. Just so you know that we are including those in their great history that they have and everything. But uh, this is going to be a fun show for me in particular because I loved the 80s uh, martial arts scene and the 90s martial arts scene for movies, for action movies. It was always, we had so many people to watch and it wasn't just these two, but these are the two that we are comparing today and talking about because for one, they had a history with each other. Um, There was a lot of talk going around that they had a rivalry Mm -hmm. not only in the movies Mm -hmm. but off screen as well similar a travis similar to what people said about stallone and schwarzenegger yes they are there was actually a a point in time if i remember correctly that steven seagal put out a invitation to do a sparring match with van damme and all the proceeds go to charity but i believe that van damme declined that i'd have to research to see if that i remember that going on when i was a kid though I will tell you something uh, that I did read and find out um, similar to that, but just the opposite. Oh. Somebody had a party 
I'm forgetting who it was at this moment. I'll have to get a little further back into the research here that I've got. And it will pop up at one point here as I'm going down my list. I just don't want to take, you know, all day to look it up and then say, oh, yeah, here it is. I just found it. Anyway, uh, there was uh, both of them at the same place. Other actors Mm -hmm. at the same place. And Stallone was there as well. Mm -hmm. And Stallone was quoted saying that Van Damme had offered to go in the backyard with him right then and there, and they could have a sparring match or something along those lines. I don't think it was a fight, but, right. a, sparring, but a sparring match. And Seagal had turned him down, and I think he had left. And then they said Van Damme followed where he went and issued it again, but Stallone said that um, Seagal... Okay. Seagal... Seagal. The name Seagal. Seagal-y Weaver. That's, uh, <laughs> that Steven Seagal wanted nothing to do with it. He said he didn't want any part of Van Damme. So if that's true or not, I don't really know. I believe uh, it if it came from Stallone. But, you know, that's supposedly out of Stallone's mouth. I don't remember Seagal being in the Expendables. <laughs> And that is something else as well. Uh, We'll get to later when we're doing some of the fun facts and everything we find out. Nice. But what I'd like to do at this point, Travis is going to represent Van Damme. I'm going to represent Seagal. The king of the splits. King of the splits. And And you will be the king of the squints. King of the squints. (laughs) Um, He, (laughs) he... (laughs) I would like you, if you will, start off by talking about um, Van Damme, because I recall always hearing he was a fake, he was a phony, he was a studio fighter, that he could only do what he could do because he had taken ballet when he was younger, and he was able to do the splits and do those aerial kicks so nicely. Talk a little bit about Van Damme and his start, how he got his start. Yeah, he got a lot of flack for that, man. He, The ballet stuff came in pretty hard on him they forgave uh patrick swayze for that i don't know why they gave van damme such a hard time <laughs> i think a lot of it had to do with the fact though that a lot of people didn't know and still don't know that jean-claude van damme if you go to looking up his actual martial arts career you're not going to find anything because his name isn't jean-claude van damme and he didn't go by jean-claude van damme back then his name is jean-claude camille francois Van Verenberg. So if you look up his fighting career, that's the name that it's going to be under. Um, He started training when he was about 11 years old at the National Center of Karate, which they call the Centra. I'm going to butcher a lot of this stuff. They call the Center National de Karate. Uh, And he learned under Master Claude Guts in Excels, Belgium. Uh, He trained for four years before he got the spot on the karate team, which means he was pretty doggone good at it. His dad put him in there because he thought he saw he was physically weak. I guess the ballet maybe did that to him. I don't know. (laughs) 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 I don't know. Some of them ballet people got to be pretty strong, man. But anyway, um, yeah, he strong ankles, strong ankles, man. But uh, yeah, he won the European Professional Karate Association's middleweight championship as a teenager, and he also beat the second best fighter in the world. And his uh, he wa- he wanted to be number one, but he got sidetracked when he left his hometown, which of course we know the muscles from Brussels. Brussels. Uh, he left in 1976 at the age of 16, and that's you know he started he started his martial arts fight career, which was where he started kickboxing and doing some. Um, not full contact. Well, I forget what I forget what they call it. Uh, semi-contact. So, but I think Seagal didn't Seagal start out pretty early too because I know Seagal uh, in his older in his in his later years was when people started coming out and saying Seagal was a little bit of a, uh, maybe overhyped in his skill. I don't know if I'd say overhyped, but started off early. Yes, like oh well, unlike Van Dam. I mean, Seagal is his real name, Stephen Frederick Seagal. 
mm-hmm. uh, born in Lansing, Michigan. Uh, he has quite a heritage to him as well. His uh, grandparents on one side are Russian Jewish immigrants, and on the other side has English, German, and distant Irish and Dutch. So he's a mutt like the rest of us. Uh, we can really connect to him. Pretty much. His ancestry <laughs> is all spread out there for a little bit. So, But uh, he started his martial arts training at the age of seven under the tutelage of well-known karate instructor Fumio Demura, which I may have said that wrong. Like Travis, I may butcher quite a few of these things when it comes to him being overseas at some point. Um, this is in the 1960s. He commenced his Aikido training in Orange County, California. Um, well, let me start back over with that. He started at the age of seven under the tutelage, like I said, of Fumio Demura, and then in the 1960s, went on his Aikido training in Orange County under the instruction of Harry Ishisaka. 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 Harry Ishisaka. Uh, he received his first Dan accreditation in 1974, and that's quite a, a, an accomplishment on its own. Mm-hmm. But after he moved to Japan to further his martial arts training, um, spending many years there honing his skills, he received the ranking of a seventh Dan in the Japanese martial arts Aikido and was instructing wealthy clients in Los Angeles when he came to the attention of Hollywood power broker Michael Ovitz. Um, kind of like, you know, I mean, at one point Van Damme got noticed in Hollywood as well by some people. So I, who, who was yep. it that, uh, I don't know if anybody spotted him first, but tell us a little bit about how Van Damme was, you know, first found out about and what got him his break. Well, what first got him his break, and I would call it overhyped because it's a keto. <laughs> I had to go back to that. Yes, so, but you see, you call Aikido overhyped until you step into that punch with him, and he takes that Aikido and really whoops you with it. I mean, that's oh man, it's not overhyped. Then the show is not about mar- the martial art itself, but Aikido is actually a martial art that is used by samurais, and it's used to disarm the other opponents. So it's got some great wrist locks and stuff. But then when you go back to looking at some of the, y'all, y'all just look it up for yourselves. You can go ahead and be the be the judge. We're not here to discuss the, the actual we, styles. We, but. No, we are not here to discuss <laughs> who has the better style. But, but, uh, but yeah, but. so on track. No, when he first, when, look, I'm not hating on Seagal at all. Because when he first came out throwing dudes around with no effort at all, you know, the like I said, the wrist locks and the twists and turns. Aikido uses the opponent's weight and momentum against them so that was like a new thing in martial arts movies where van damme was doing all the splits and stuff and and all the kind of the high flying almost taekwondo he wasn't he didn't do taekwondo but it looked kind of like taekwondo with all the crazy aerial kicks and stuff in in an american setting i guess you'd say we we still had all that but and then steven came up with the aikido and that was just that was brand new to us. And I feel like as far as, you know, the martial arts movies that I saw, but getting back on track. um, Yeah. Leading into that, Jean-Claude, just for the record, just for the record, people, let it be known (laughs) that Jean-Claude retired from martial arts in 1982 following a knockout over. I'm going to, I'm sure get this one wrong. The Jad Garby in Brussels, Belgium. He posted an 18 and one, that's 18 knockouts kickboxing record and then he posted a record of 41 wins with four losses in his semi semi contact record that's impressive (laughs) for anyone that's pretty impressive especially at the age so he came to hong kong and in 19 and he wanted to do action movies and it wasn't really working out over there so he moved to los angeles and he took classes as he while he was working laying carpet uh as a pizza delivery guy 
and a limo driver. And that's how he met Chuck Norris and got a job as a bouncer at one of at a club. So Chuck Norris actually gave Van Damme a small role in the Missing in Action movie in 1984. Great movie if you hadn't seen it. I remember seeing that at the drive-in theater when I was a kid, man. Aha. It wasn't good enough to get anybody's attention. Like it wasn't a big standout role. So then in 84, he got a role as a villain in a really low budget movie named No Retreat and No Surrender. And then one day walking on the streets, he spotted a producer for Canon Pictures. And I watched an interview this afternoon while I was in a parking lot waiting on my wife of Jean-Claude himself speaking about this particular moment. And he said what he did was he threw a kick up to that dude's head. I, I, I can't remember the guy's name, but the producer for Canon Pictures, he threw a kick up. And, and laid his foot just right at that guy's head and then pulled it back. And the guy had some Oriental um, bodyguards with him. And those guys started talking back and forth, just kind of in awe, like really impressed by what he just did. And he showed him a couple of other of his moves, you know, that really took that guy by surprise. He was like, wow, this is something else. So he put him in a movie, uh, the movie Bloodsport. Well, the movie, they filmed it in Hong Kong and it was so horrible when they completed it that they put it on a shelf for almost two years. Van Damme went back and helped them recut it and begged the producers to release it. So he really advocated for his own movie career. He also said that he went back in and begged them to give him some kind of small little role because he was living under bridges and in his car and the guy kind of was like, okay, well I got this one movie. So after that, they released it. Uh, the first place it hit was Malaysia of all places and then it went to France and then it came into the US. It they only shot it on a $1.5 million budget, which is tiny for a movie, you know? So small. So small. And then they they released it in just a few theaters in the U.S. And then it just went wild. And then the VHS, they did the VHS release and then released it nationwide in theaters. And it made $30 million, right around $30 million worldwide in the spring of 1988. And he became a hit sensation overnight. Is that not something else? I mean, $1.5 million budget and returned $30 million. Yeah, that's, that's impressive. <laughs> that's beyond impressive. So that's awesome. I mean, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. So how did how did uh touch him back on to Seagal? Where did, do you have any? I'm sure you do have information on um how went. Where did his uh start come in, or his first movie, or his first big? You know, look at this dude. Well, like I said earlier, he was uh he came to the attention of Hollywood power broker Michael Ovitz. Ovitz saw a star value uh in Seagal because he was imposing. Uh he 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 is he was big. Uh he right. was the martial arts style that he did just looked very uh intimidating. Mm-hmm. Because like you said, uh it uses the opponent's weight and momentum against him for different things, anything from uh arm bars, arm locks, chokes you know flipping them over putting them to the floor it's 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 very rough it is and um, it, he wasn't like <laughs> i remember the he goes slapping hands bow, 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 and then knock your hands out of the way and just give you a good slap yeah i mean uh, the one of his one of his moves that is most popular in the movies that he's done he's done it in practically every movie um is a move where an opponent steps into him with a with a a, a punch mm -hmm. and it's like he knocks it down with the right hand comes back down with the left to keep it from coming back up and steps into them with a forearm kind of deal around the chest and shoulder area which sends them rocketing to the floor that fast. It's such a hard swing on them. And that fast with their momentum coming in, it sends them right back down just as fast. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just a, well, I mean, it's, it's definitely a popular one he puts out there. 
uh, it's not like Aikido is flashy right. in any way. It's not flashy. It's not meant to be. There's not really a lot of you know kicks. There's no high flying stuff. There's no aerial things. Nope. Uh, it's just there to basically control the situation. Right. It's largely for disarming and how would you say uh, neutralizing your opponent. Right, and, and and you can't hurt people with it, definitely. But I mean, absolutely, I'm not taking anything away from it. it it's, yeah, yeah. Uh, now, it's, I'll get to some when more. Start moving that fast, right? And I'll get to some more of his stuff in a little bit. But I mean, he took more than just Aikido. So I mean, he's right. he, he's he's more than just that. But uh, basically, says uh, the high octane action movie genre was in full swing in the late '80s. Mm-hmm. And Seagal's debut movie was Above the Law. It was wildly received yes. by action fans and actually received some complimentary critical reviews. You know, because over the years, the critics were kind of hard on him because he plays the same character in every movie. Being his first movie, though, they gave him a little bit of hype, a little bit of credit mm-hmm. uh, based on what he did and everything. So uh, Above the Law was basically a story. They wanted you to believe that it had a true background to it. And this has been rumored over the years that Steven Seagal was more than just an action star. He got into the game of movies at a later age. I think he was in his 30s. Mm-hmm. I want to say around 35, I think before he got into acting but uh they they were wanting to have you believe that he might have been you know like a company man you know a cia guy a military yeah. guy somebody who they can't tell you a lot because it then turns around and spoils some things and mm-hmm. uh, i think no matter how hard you look for information on something like that you don't get a lot of any good solid information that you can that you can bank on right so i didn't even bother looking that up anymore. well he came I, in too i think another thing about him is he came in with a whole different kind of aura about him as well because he came in like you know he was he was always neat he was always like he didn't get disheveled in his movies very much even when he was going through it his ponytail might come out a little bit you know but other than that man he was wearing silk shirts and suits and stuff and Uh, he's wrecking the place that's like his thing um when you see him even outside of a movie he's got on I don't want to call it's it's not really a robe it's not really a shirt it's if it if you call it a shirt maybe it's 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 it hangs down a little longer than your normal average shirt does yeah and like you said silk and everything and uh he keeps the ponytail in place he keeps himself de- you know looking decent and everything and he's real soft spoken when he talks right for someone as big as he is and as he rough as he man. can be he's a big man yeah, but such a soft-spoken person at that point. Yeah. So no, did he go from above the law? Well, Buford he, Puss, didn't Buford Pusser say it best? Speak softly and carry a big stick. And Buford Pusser did carry a big stick. Yes. <laughs> Quite a few people felt that stick. <laughs> <clears throat> and for those of you who <laughs> don't know that, look up Walking Tall, the original Walking Tall, not the Rock's version. Although the Rock did smash that man. Uh, it's along the same type of storyline, but not the Buford Pussard story. No, Buford was awesome. But anyway, um, after Above the Law, he did Hard to Kill. And Hard to Kill uh, actually had his wife at the time, Kelly LeBrock. Yeah. Uh, and there was, he was married to Kelly LeBrock from 80, 1987 LeBrock. to 1996. Weird science. Yep, Kelly LeBrock Anytime was Anytime I think science. of her, I don't think of that. I don't think of... Her being Seagal's wife, I think of her being the weird science girl. Weird weird science or the lady in red. Yeah. Or woman in red. I forget what it was called. Lady in red, woman in red, one of the two. Woman in red. But uh, weird science stands out the most to me because that was a great movie in the 80s. Yeah. Uh, but he was married to her from 87 to 96. They do have some kids together. I think three children. Uh, three oh, wow. Of his, I didn't know that. Three of his children are through her. And he's got children through other wives as well. 
Okay. Um, from that point, he moved into the battling voodoo using Jamaican drug posses in Marked for Death, which I believe mm. you told me yesterday was one of your favorites of his. Yeah, Marked for Death was a good one. Yep, definitely. And then went on to... Uh, Under Siege was my favorite. Oh, that's right. Under Siege. Well, Under Siege was a great... The, the Under Siege was probably his greatest work he did as far as making money and being a bit, the, you know, a great story overall. Yeah, and we're a family show, so we have to warn you that... Erica Laniac popping out of the cake. You probably want to watch the TV version that's got some stuff cut out of it if you're watching well, it with family. But if you, yeah, if you get the kids with you, you want to go that route. Yeah, but otherwise, uh, <laughs> Out for Justice. If you like Baywatch, um, <laughs> Out for Justice was his movie after Mark for Death, where William Forsythe is who he's battling that one. He's kind of a psychotic yeah. mob gangster mm-hmm. that he grew up around. I think he's supposed to be his cousin in the movie. Because all these people grew up around each other, and they got that accent—you know, the Brooklyn accent, the Bronx yeah. accent—all yeah, this stuff going on. Ryback. To be honest, his movie career, like he could have just been Ryback in every one of them. Pretty much, I mean, that's pretty much how it comes down. But what it feels like watching to. his movies, it's like you're watching a, a James Bond. You know, like his, he's like the and I and I'm not talking about his not criticizing his acting or anything because I love you know Seagal. It's Seagal, man. Come on, but literally, it's like every movie could be a sequel to the first one almost if it wasn't for the wife the fact that his wife gets killed or girlfriend gets killed and about every one of them <laughs> you know what that does and a lot of them were three words in the title <laughs> yeah <laughs> you think about that three words in the title it's crazy um i will tell uh, you know i'm not going to get too much further into his movies at the moment but we're going to compare movies here in just a few minutes and talk yeah. about uh, and talk about some of those but so, i will add to here though that um with his uh the thing that was different for seagal his fighting style definitely was different than that of other on-screen dynamos like Bruce Lee or Chuck Norris or Van Damme. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeff Speakman was not the same. Jeff Speakman did, uh, I think he did have keto, didn't he? Speakman? Yes. So a lot different. Um, the Perfect Weapon was a great movie if you haven't seen that one by Jeff Speakman. Um, but anyway, um, it's it's just so different. And I don't, I don't want to say refreshing. It's just different. It's, it's, it's got this awesome feel to it when you watch it's like he's he's got no fear in him, and he's 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 stepping up against four and five guys, and and, and he's handling them all at the same time, pretty much. But he's different, uh, different moves with their body weight flying past him and everything. Mm-hmm. It's just really great to see. Right. So, can we get back to the King of Splits now? I would like to hear some more from where you left off at the King okay. of Splits. Hey, that makes me happy because I like the King of Splits because. One of the things that I like about the King of Spitz, Mr. Jean-Claude Van Damme, in his movie, in contrast to Seagal, is where Seagal was always, in every one of his movies, he kind of didn't have a rival. He was pretty much the most B.A. person in the in the film. On the other hand, most of Van Damme's movies, he had some serious odds to overcome, you know, like in uh, Cyborg and Lionheart and um, Universal Soldier uh, kickboxer there was always this impossible task this impossible person that he had to defeat so blood sport blood sport 100 and Chung so there's always something going on where he had to overcome and i think another thing that set him apart is i really believe he was the first big heartthrob type action star you know like he was the one that the girls went crazy over not a lot of girls went crazy over rambo and and <laughs> and Terminator and and Seagal and uh, you know there's a lot of them even Michael Dudikoff they didn't hear girls with posters on their wall but I remember are being we, in middle school are we talking are, are, are we talking just martial artists or are we talking about just action stars in general because I mean if you're going to consider Swayze an action an action star then sure is, he has some action movies and he is 
a I forget what belt in well, in, he, in a form of martial and, arts. And and he took ballet. Yeah. So I yeah. Mean, and he got outclassed by Chris Farley too. So. <laughs> <laughs> But no, I mean, he wasn't born to be a Chippendale, I don't guess, was he? But when I think of Swayze, I don't think of an action star. You know what I mean? I don't think Swayze's Swayze can do, he's one of those that he's really good at anything. You know, when I think of Swayze, I think, and I'm thinking of Ghost, I'm thinking, I'll throw Roadhouse and all that in there. Black Dog was such an overlooked movie. This show isn't about him, but I'm just saying, when I think of Swayze, I don't really particularly think of action star. You know, he certainly was in some action movies. I think of him more as a an overall, just a just a star. You know what I mean? Kind of like well, if you're uh, going to compare the two and the, the two we were talking about today, then what you said is true. Yes, yes. So we will go with we will go with that. Sure. So the martial arts movies. I feel like he was the first real heartthrob. You know, the muscles from Brussels. So picking up where we left off. That aside, onto uh, from Bloodsport doing so well. Uh, we did his higher budgeted movies. Like I just named off a few um, cyborg in 1989, which a lot of people didn't dig, but I loved the bad guy on it looked like the guy from CNC music factory to me. Uh, I thought it was pretty good myself. <laughs> I loved it. Um, Lionheart, which oddly enough, I just watched last week and forgot how much I liked that one. That one was good. Uh, Double impact, which I also watched last week. I, I got on a Van Damme kick when we were doing the brainstorming on future episodes and stuff for the podcast so when we came across this one i'm like you know what yeah so they got a, a few of his movies on prime for free to watch and then what did you one, think about van damme playing twins dude i thought he did pretty good i've seen it done better but i enjoyed it i thought he did well, pretty good with it he now, contrasted himself really well in it so quick question for you did you ever see his movie no retreat no surrender probably but i don't remember it off the it's, name no retreat it, no it's, surrender it's in one of the first ones you talked about earlier that he had no oh, retreat, no surrender just, yeah so and i probably don't remember that one he was a russian fighter had to slick back hair kurt mckinney was the quote-unquote good guy hero was that uh, not the same as so did that release as black snake was that no no uh okay. that's no, this is um, No Retreat, No Surrender. He had one called Black Eagle. Black Eagle. That he was in with Show Kasugi, where he was yes. a bad guy in that as well. That's the one but we're talking about. the reason why I'm bringing up No Retreat, No Surrender is because the movie Double Impact, where he's playing twins, the one brother has the look of the character from No Retreat, No Surrender, the slick back hair. Ivan. Yeah. yeah, you know, the slick back hair and then and the roughness to him and everything. Right. He, and then the other one is the Van Damme you're used to seeing, like, um, yeah. And the Lion, Lion Hard and uh, Bloodsport mm-hmm. and such, where he's got some great karate and everything, great martial arts, but he's not so rough and tough and rugged. Right. Or so he's doing both. More of a lady in the movie type and more exactly. of, a, you know, of the time. So yeah, he's doing both in the same movie. I thought it was good. You know, like I said, I've seen it done better, but I, it's probably because of the, the time. I think that was the movie too, where he himself said that he really wanted to try to show that he could act for real. And so he 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 really tried hard on Double Impact. You were seeing him give his all to his acting chops on that one. And that was from his own mouth. And but Double Impact, had, he brings back a, a former co-star in another movie in Bloodsport with him there as well, Bolo Young. Yes, Bolo Young is in. Dude, Bolo Young is awesome. <laughs> Bolo has been in so we could do a whole show on Bolo. Like Bolo has been in so many movies, but yeah, Bolo was in that one. And then uh, he moved on to go with Universal Soldier in 1992, which is one of my favorites, alongside Dolph Lundgren. That was an awesome, awesome movie, and I think it spawned a sequel, didn't it? Uh, yes, there were actually several sequels, and he wasn't in all of them. Right? Yeah, I thought so. And then his breakthrough, he he finally did a hundred million dollars worldwide with. 
time cop. So that one, that one was super awesome. It, yes. But the pro, the the bad thing is the sad thing for our beloved muscles from Brussels, the king of the splits. It, his life was kind of falling apart. Uh, he had a divorce. He had a, he had a divorce, and then he got married, and then he got divorced again. <laughs> so you know, by 1996, his it's it's kind of showing up. It's kind of catching up with him. Uh, he did the quest. He did, uh, which I believe what he was a uh, he was a legionnaire of some sort in the quest. Or I don't remember the quest. No, I don't remember the quest too much. I don't want to speak too much on it because I can't recall right off I, the top of my head. The quest was definitely it, to me. It had a kickboxer kind of feel to it in some okay. way. But I was thinking it of legionnaire. Was not, it was not as good. Legionnaire is kind of like uh, in Lionheart the people that were after him. Yeah, uh, when he was in Lionheart, he had he had been over there and joined the Legionnaires. He was in the Legionnaires in Lionheart. Yeah, he yeah. went away to take care of his sister because his brother died. Or sister-in-law. Yeah, sister-in-law. Yeah. My bad. So and, and then he had Maximum Risk, and then Double Team. I think the Double Team is that that's the one that had a uh, uh, Rodman in it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So then 1997. Yeah. Well, all three of those. <laughs> so so the Quest Max. Maximum risk and double team, all three of them made less than 50 million combined. That's coming off of his $100 million height. And then in 1999, he remarried his ex wife, uh, Gladys. And I swear this, I think it's, it looks like Portuguese when you say it, but I don't know how you say her name. Portuguese, I guess. He kind of restarted his, his career. Uh, he did I, Replicant and Derailed and Hell all in the early 2000s or in Hell. All in the early 2000s. And hey, well, what was the one with Rodman again? I believe it was Double Team, wasn't it? Double Team. That's his version of Rhinestone right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Absolutely. Maximum Risk, I believe, was the hockey one, wasn't it? Where he was in the... No. Sudden no? Death was hockey. Sudden Death. Sudden Death. Thank you. Yeah. But yeah, he did. He's got a... He's got more on after that, and there's, there's a bunch more. But those are just kind of the little clips right there in the middle where, you know... What he was it that, that he was coming apart and then he started trying to get, get things back together, you know? What was the reason that brought him to where he was falling apart? All of the stuff that was going on in his personal life, the divorces and the marriages, and yeah, you know, he was get, he was he was getting married and divorced just like boom, 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 boom. So it's like between the years of ninety-four to like I said, ninety-nine when he remarried his ex-wife. So he's like he got a divorce, he got married, he got another divorce. This is all in the span of like five years. And then, you know, eight years later, when all this stuff started, you know, he comes back and he remarries his original wife. Or one of his ex-wives. I don't know which one she was. So he, uh, thought, he has I, some stuff going on. It, it seems like I remember. I'm not sure what exactly happened. Well, I, I remember he he did go through some tough times and everything. But I, I thought he had something to do where he got caught up in drugs of some sort or something like that. He may have. I'm not a hundred percent on that one. That's um. I can like I said we can. Well, it's not that important to look up. I was yeah just, yeah. I know he had such a downfall, such a downward spiral for a little bit, and usually it takes more than just getting a divorce to do something like that. Yeah, I thought I'm sure. I remembered. I, I was thinking I remembered someone saying that he had run into a problem of with drugs of some sort, and I'm not sure what they were or what it was. Yeah, well, he he was he did a lot of coke at the time. He you know he almost killed himself doing cocaine, <laughs> and then you know, but I mean, that'll definitely get you. Superstar overnight from from Brussels and you know all the stuff going on that may be what contributed to his divorces you know I mean it's always something more it's not you know I, I hadn't seen anybody that's gone through it or fell off like he did that that wasn't involved some kind of addiction you know 
Right. Right. Well, you know, I, I noticed something about uh, Seagal mm-hmm. and uh, Van Damme. Both of them have a lot of on-screen um, similarities in the fact that they play pretty much or a lot of their movies have a lot of the same feel to it. Uh, and, yeah. and, and with Van Damme, a lot of his early on films, he was a fighter of some sort. Right. You know, and he was heart. going through, he was coming up through the ranks. It was always some kind of tournament style thing that he had to do, like a like a Bruce Lee, you know, enter the dragon type thing, or, or not enter the dragon, but the boss where he had to climb the levels of like, that's a video game. You the know? game of death. The game basically. of death. The, yeah. the one that had uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in it, where he wore yeah. the yellow suit. Like right. that spawned so many video games, and it's obvious that it contributes to movies now or, or then as well, you know, following on the heels of that because it was always like a progressive thing that they had to do, you know. Right. And that, uh, and then with Seagal, he was always playing the role of a deadly ex CIA operative or retired special <laughs> forces soldier, or Navy SEAL, or exactly, yeah. you know, and he, he's capable of enormous destruction on people, you know? Yeah. It's, it's, he's always playing something like that. It felt like, mm-hmm. um, but, but then as his box office drawing power grew, he started to infuse his film projects with his personal and spiritual beliefs, especially mm-hmm. concerning things around nature and, and stuff like that, uh, the right. environment, the environment. If you remember, he's one, uh, he was in the oil ex. Well, let me rephrase this. He appeared as an oil expert, mm-hmm. uh, who turns against his corrupt CEO, played the Michael like fire Kane. down below. Was it? No, no, no. You're, oh, you're Michael Kane. No, yeah, you're ju- jumping the gun a little bit, yeah, but no. uh, in on deadly ground. Okay. Yep. And then, of course, that was uh, to save an Eskimo population from an oil disaster. In mm-hmm. Fire Down Below, which is 1997, mm-hmm. he played an environmental agency troubleshooter investigating the dumping of toxic waste in Kentucky. Uh, okay, yeah, I had him. I had him mixed mm-hmm. up then. That's what. Was, well, when you when I when I caught Michael Caine, I was like, wait a minute, Michael Caine wasn't in Fire Down Below, so yeah. No, but no yeah, no. the same kind no, of. And, and, and is it Michael Caine one of your favorite people, or is this a different oh, Michael Caine? Yes, is this I'll the same Michael Caine that's in other stuff? I don't know. I always thought there was two Michael Caines. No, Sir Michael I'm not, I'm not Caine. positive, though. Mm, Sir Michael Caine. I love Sir Michael Caine. It, it, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was. If they, Yeah, if it's Sir Michael Caine, it's got to be him. Well, I'm not sure. I'm not 100% positive. Yeah, because he was the big guy. He, it's, he didn't fight. But he was like he was the main bad guy in it. He was the actual. Do you uh, do you CEO. remember in that movie? There's a guy they call Otto. No, was it Otto? Otto. I don't know. Hey, whoever, whichever, whatever his name was, he's this really big guy, and mm-hmm. sometimes he plays like Russian people. Uh-huh. Uh, sometimes he doesn't, but he's a really big guy. He never ever talks it seems like in any movie he's been in he's just got a real intimidating look to him he's so big yeah and he's in a lot of movies and in that time he was in a lot of movies but he played the exact same thing just big intimidation oh, and, and didn't oh, say a word dude, i know who you're talking about he played thorgrim on um yes he played thorgrim on conan the barbarian his name is actually thorson i don't know his name but i know his last name's thorson because i know exactly who you're talking about okay he's big muscular dude like he's like bodybuilder big yeah 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 he played thorgrim he was like, <laughs> he's just always quiet he didn't say nothing yep, he never has any words and wasn't wasn't lee ermy in that movie too oh I, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure Lee Ermey was in that movie too. I I can't say for sure. There was some. There was a, quite a few people in that movie and everything. I'm positive I, Lee Ermey was in it because if you see Lee Ermey in a movie, you do not forget it. <laughs> um, Lee Ermey is great. 
in Fire Down Below, he had not only did he work in some of his personal spiritual beliefs, you know, about the environment and everything, he also brought in uh, his love of guitars. He actually ah. sat and played a little bit in the movie, and they say he can play uh, some actual guitars. He has a, a large collection oh, of yeah, guitars and swords. I thought that um, I thought that he actually didn't he start a little band or something when he known I, for, or maybe he was just hitting the karaoke. <laughs> I, he, I'm not sure if he did a little band thing or what he did, but he could actually play a little guitar. One um, of my favorite actors, too. Not just to enough to get by, off. you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of my favorites, uh, not to get too far off, too, though, on Fire Down Below was uh, Mr. Stephen Lang, who most people, when we talk about this time, this era, I believe it was 1993 when Ike came out, uh, when Tombstone came out. Yeah. He was played Ike Clanton. I don't take no lip off no bartender neither. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Yes, Law Dog. And it's funny to see him in this one because he sounds nothing like that. He sounds um, nothing like that in any other movie. I, like, I Ike know. is so like, and it's a trip to me to see him in other movies too. He should have been Cable, and then I'm going to leave that alone. <laughs> <laughs> But I get what you're saying, though. Uh, they also had some uh, country western people in the area. Chris Christopherson. Yes. Um, you had um, what was dude's name? It's not Mark. Ch- I don't, I don't, what, what was it? Mark Chestnut? Was he one of them playing one of the bad guys, or is that somebody else I'm thinking of? Uh, Travis Tripp. No, Travis Tripp wasn't in it. No, um, Marty Stewart was in it singing uh, at one point and playing. But really? of the actual bad guys um, that was in it, Chris Christopherson was the main bad guy. His son was there running right. the running a show for him there in Kentucky. And I think Mark Chestnut is the other guy who was in there. Well, I just pulled it up. I'm not seeing Mark Chestnut. What? No, I got something. No, I just pulled up something wrong. I was going to try to, I was going to try to get in on that conversation. Cause I remember the fire down below, but I don't remember the whole bunch because it wasn't one of my favorites. Yeah. And this man is showing Randy Travis, Travis Tritt, Chris Christopherson. They're Stephen Lang, like I said. And yeah, that's all I'm. That's Marty Stewart. <laughs> no. Well, like I said, Marty Stewart was in it, but you know, briefly. The, these other people you may have seen in there, they may have been playing songs at that at that uh, deal. I bet you that's what it was. Because they're, at one it point says they're in, under it too. So yeah, at one point they're in. I don't know where Chris Christopherson was, if he was in Vegas or somewhere else or where he was. But uh, he go he goes to pick him up there. And there's some people playing in the background. I think Travis Tree is actually playing there. Mark, let's see, was it Mark? I don't think it's Mark Colley. Uh, you know what? I'm determined. I want, I'm, I'm determined to know who this is now. And I'm going to tell you in just a second who it is. It's Mark Colley. Mark Colley. Okay. Yeah, Mark Colley is who it was. I don't know why I couldn't think of his name. That's my time frame for when I like when I like country music quite a bit. I should have remembered that. But I'm getting out now. Who's who's getting off topic now? I yeah, look at you. So here I am you like, back in, man. You're out of control. He also did another movie that's similar to these as far as personal beliefs called The Patriot. Now the movie was a kind of a slow moving kind of movie. It wasn't it wasn't super interesting, really. He played a medical specialist trying to stop a lethal virus unleashed by an extremist group and really and truly his fans were struggling to come to terms with his social messaging being built into his into his films like that what he was putting out there so that they're used to seeing him come out and just kick butt and and that's what they're and that's what they wanted to see and they're not getting that anymore at this point but yeah you uh, can't go from casey ryback who's just the ultimate soldier to like all right ryback we need you to blah 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 and he's like yes sir we'll do you know what i mean like the ultimate soldier to we gotta make more we gotta take the moral high ground here and go against our government we're used to seeing him as a soldier 
but the good thing for him though, now he's he's he had a lot of box office clout there. I mean, yeah, he, he remained fairly strong, and he actually he started leaning more back towards some of his other stuff. He actually, you know, I'd never seen him in a buddy cop film, but oh. lo and behold, buddy cop film in 1996, The Glimmer Man. Do you remember who he, who he played with as a? His, I mean, Glimmer Man, yeah, yeah, man, Glimmer Man had had my guy uh, Keenan Ivory Wayne's in it. Keenan Ivory Wayne's, the man Never. responsible for in living color. Yep, he played the buddy cop in there with him. They had a funny partnership going on with each other because his yeah. version of his character was very, I don't want to say Buddhist-like, but he believed in ancient traditional healings and such. Mm-hmm. And he would get things that you would think would be disgusting, and he would say that it helped take mm-hmm. care of things and all. That being said, the last movie, well, this isn't the last movie, I don't guess, of the 90s, or it could be. Uh, 1996, Executive Decision with Kurt, Kurt Russell. Russell. This is more of a Kurt Russell movie than a Seagal movie. It is. Because Seagal had a cameo in it. And you, when you see the, I remember seeing this being advertised when it came out. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a a duo movie of him and Kurt Russell together. And when I went to the theater and watched it, spoiler, I guess, if anybody hasn't seen it, uh, Seagal's only in it for about the first 15 minutes and has a couple of parts and that's it. It's more right. of a cameo. It's, it's really more of a cameo. So um, he doesn't really do anything else until the 2000s. And I mentioned that we give you the titles mm-hmm. of these, uh, but that's all I'm really going to give you uh, since we don't really go over 2000s stuff. Right. But uh, Exit Wounds in 01 with uh, DMX. DMX. And- Half Past Dead in 2002 with uh, Ja Rule was two of the biggest ones he did. Out for a Kill and Billy the Beast. I, I didn't really watch much of his stuff in 2000s because a lot of his stuff went straight to uh, video at that right. point. He was not getting anything in the theaters anymore. Yeah. He then lost, um, I don't want to say he lost his place in uh, Hollywood or anything, but he definitely was falling out from getting big budget movies made and going straight to video at that point. It's not like today's age where you've got straight to Netflix because Netflix puts big budget movies out there. Right. So this is way different from that. Uh, uh, Van Damme, though. Um, after where you left off with him in that last one with his movie career, he you mentioned after double team and all that, seemed like he was having all these troubles. Did he bounce back in any way and have any big hits come back out, or did he go like straight to the VHS as well? Well, I mean, yeah, kind of. He, um, as far as like big hit, I don't think he really did a whole lot after that. Um, I believe we're probably talking about you know going from Universal Soldier and Hard Target and, and Time Cop, and then he goes into you know like street fighter <laughs> like uh he played lieutenant guile in street fighter i believe yeah and then um it, it just wake of death you know uh inhale uh sudden death i guess sudden death did okay that was 1995 but it it did okay um he just kind of dropped off after that but one of the great things that he did um i feel like he's come back more as of late than he had than he did like in the mid 2000s or anything um kind of bringing back the kickboxer stuff where he was the teacher. I don't know if you saw any of the, those new film, the new kickboxer films. I did see the newest kickboxer film where he was playing the role of the teacher and brought the new guy in. And Dave Batista, I believe was playing the Tong Po character. Right. And then um, he did a TV show that if you have not seen it, 
please go watch it. Chris hasn't seen it. I've been telling him all about it. I tell everybody about it. If you're a Van Damme fan in any way, shape, or form, you need to go watch his. It's sad that there's only a season of it, but it's Jean-Claude Van Johnson. And it is absolutely one of the most hilarious things I've ever seen. He makes fun of himself in it. That's where I get the king of the splits. Because that's one of the things he says in it is, I am the, I was known as the king of the splits. But he pokes fun at himself and what he used to be versus, you know, what he's become. And it's kind of it's set like that movie stars are actually CIA agents and and they run black ops and hit men type stuff. So while they're on the sets of movies, they're doing that. But like I said, if you if you haven't seen that, you need to go watch it. But no, after, you know, mid 2000s and all anything that he did was just started falling off. It seems like both of them just kind of started falling off after the early 2000s. That is true. That is true. What I'd like to do now, Travis, I'm going to try to take this a little different direction, okay? Okay. We've pretty much covered the history, I would say, between the two guys. That we, we know where they learned everything, Yeah. what they did in their early years, where they went down the path of action hero in Hollywood and everything. But I would like to take just a, just a few minutes here because we're getting close to the end of the show. Right. And let's go over a couple of kind of fun facts for each of them. So I'm going to give you a few fun facts of Seagal here. And then I want okay. to get you to give me a few on Van Damme. Let's do so, it. So with Seagal here, he is the first foreigner to ever own and operate an Aikido dojo in Japan. It was unheard of, but yep. he's the first person to do it. He's a not only a seventh degree master in Aikido, like we mentioned earlier, he also holds black belts in Judo, Kendo, uh, Ryu, Karate, and trained with the Machado Brothers in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Machido. And, I'm sorry? I can correct you on that one because I know that one because I'm a big UFC fan. That's the Machido brothers. Oh, Machido Machido. Brothers. oh yeah. my bad. I did to me. I didn't know how if it was Machado or Machado. Machido. Machido. Uh, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and Dan Inocent is Inocento and Cali Escrima Arnis. So now Escrima, I believe that's the Scrima sticks that you see him fighting yeah. with in some Scrima. of the movies at times. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been a bodyguard. Accidentally broke Sean Connery's wrist when he was teaching in martial arts during the filming of Never Say Never Again in 1983. Like I said, man, those wrist locks, some of them joint locks, nasty, dirty. You can, you can dismantle a body with those things. <laughs> Crazy. And if you remember earlier, I told you, while acting in Above the Law, he gained praise from the likes of Roger Ebert. Uh, Seagal has repeatedly faced criticism from both critics and fans who accuse him of playing the same character in many of his movies, as well as displaying a lack of emotional range. Right. In fact, some people refer to embracing typecasting as Seagalism. <laughs> he has become the, right. post, the poster child, speaks Japanese fluently. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, th- that's a few to start with. I mean, give me a few on Van Damme. Well, Van, <laughs> Van Damme refused a three-picture deal that would have earned it. I don't know what the movie is for, but it would have earned him $12 million per movie. He turned it down because he wanted $20 million, which was equal to Jim Carrey's salary at the time. Now, you're talking about a time when Jim Carrey was at the height of what he was doing. We're talking Ace Ventura, The Mask. We're talking about one of the highest paid Hollywood actors of the time back then. Um, so, yeah, he lost that one. <laughs> he said he could have made some good money off of that one. Uh, another cool thing is, um, as if we didn't already know, Johnny Cage from the Mortal Kombat series was largely based on Van Damme, which was it was obvious to us when it came out. But in the movie... The, the original um, Mortal Kombat movie, one of Johnny Cage's special moves, and, and on the game, was doing a split while he punched his opponent in the groin, where he, he hit uh, Goro in the groin. And that's what his character, Frank Dukes, did exactly the same way 
on the the big old sumo guy in blood sport that he couldn't hurt <laughs> uh he was also a one-time sparring partner of chuck norris during the early 80s and that's when that's what got chuck to actually cast him in missing in action which is pretty cool and um he choreographs a lot of his fight scenes and his fight scenes are so intense that he won't film them in the u.s because he's afraid of being sued cool cool side fact to that the um again one of the interviews that i've been watching over the past week um he actually choreographed the fight between him and sylvester stallone at the end of the expendables 2 which i thought was yeah i feel like that's pretty cool it is pretty cool heck yeah uh there's there's all kinds of stuff man van damme is is crazy he first arrived in hollywood which i think we we touched on this a little bit earlier but he when he got there in the 80s his jobs was waiting tables delivering pizzas laying carpet driving a taxi uh the bar that he was a bouncer at was actually um woody's wharf owned by chuck norris in newport beach so uh he actually worked on the production of predator in 1987 which was pretty cool yeah there's there's some other stuff uh he lobbied for the role of batman no. i didn't know that i'm glad he didn't get it though because um <laughs> you know what i mean batman I does not do the splits <laughs> yeah batman does not do the splits i don't think he could have done the split michael keaton is batman though. i don't care what nobody says even though robert pattinson is going to do a great job coming up y'all check that out now Can't the uh, thing about predator was he was going to play the predator yes and not 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 arnold's you know position but the predator himself and at one point i think i read somewhere that he was so disgusted with it because he was hot in the suit and he passed out from heat exhaustion one time Mm -hmm. and that he was not sure he wanted to keep playing something where it would hide his face like he wanted to be seen not just known as Later in the credits, says, "Oh, by the way, Predator was Jean Claude Van Damme." So it ends yeah. up being uh, somebody else playing the role of that instead for their little, you know, for their claim to fame. Right. Um, but that's that's what it actually helped him to become uh action hero star. I mean, that kind of contributed, kind of contributed toward it, getting his name out there and getting known, though. Yeah. Yeah. And when you mentioned earlier about the Expendables, that, that brought up a uh, one that I did leave out a few minutes ago. Seagal was asked to play a cameo. And Sylvester Stallone's The Expendables 2010, but had to turn it down because of his fallout relationship with the producer, uh, Avi Lerner, or AVI Lerner, Avi, Avi, however, however, Seagal joined in another big ensemble film, it says, of Machete in that same year. Machete. Yeah. Well, the thing about Seagal, too, he had a falling out with a lot of people when in his later in life um dmx didn't like him one bit i coming up dmx is and probably honestly still is in my top three favorite rappers of all time uh dmx said that he was real patronizing he said that you know he'd hear him talking to other people and then he'd come over to dmx you know he'd come over and be like what's going on brother and say you know he just start talking real sideways he didn't appreciate it at all because it was just you know trying to fit in and trying to use street slang that was obvious he didn't use. And that may have been his way of trying to connect or something. I don't know, but it just came off to a lot of people that as just being, you know, somewhat of a b-hole. <laughs> yeah. It can be taken. It can be taken wrong. It could be like him trying to fit in him wanting to be just a part of the group. Mm-hmm. I, a lot of people do that. And it's, I'm not saying that it's right, but a lot of people, you know, do that to kind of fit in if they can. And it's just right, it's, yeah. it's not the right way of going about things, I'm sure. Well, that's like when I, if I get if I get excited or if I get, you know, not saying that I speak properly right now anyway, but you'll hear a lot of times, too, if I get around people that speak, you know, where I come from, I come from 
the west side of Greenville, South Carolina. It ain't Chicago or nothing, but you know what I'm saying? Come up around a lot of different people. So you'll hear my speech patterns change depending on what social setting I'm in as well. Why is it always the west side of somewhere? You you know, you know, it's the west side or the south side. South side was bad too. I I had this running joke. See, now I can't even say that's funny too. I was trying to be articulate here just a minute ago, and now when I said south side, I said south side. There ain't, there's no T and H in that. South side, it's just south, South (laughs) like a female pig. South. South side. I had this funny joke going for the longest time in my life. I uh, grew up as a young kid in Waverly, Tennessee, small town known for Loretta Lynn. Loretta Lynn has her home there. Oh, and, coal um, mines. There must yeah, have some coal mines around there. There's not, but she was a coal miner's daughter, she said. Oh, okay. Uh, but anyway, that being said, I would joke around. I'd say I'm from the roughest part of Waverly. I'm west side Waverly. West side you know, Waverly. That's right. West side of Waverly. <laughs> Waverly's all about five miles, 10 miles big. I don't know. It's crazy. But anyway, uh, we were getting off topic again. Yeah, I know yeah. we are terrible for that. We're You're going to find out people that we get off topic quite a lot. We but do. That's, but we that's do. the charm of the show. I mean, you really. Um, I mean, nowadays, can you have anything without a little bit of ADD? You really can't. No. There you uh, go. I mean, ADD, oh, by the I, way, that he, reminds me, I need to stop and clean my desk. You said and ADD. Kevin Peter Hall played the Predator. He took over mm-hmm. as Van Damme as the Predator and he was also yes. the helicopter pilot in that movie. Yes, and did he also play anything else where he was in another movie under any kind of a suit of some sort? Oh, you're leading into the big Harry and the Hendersons. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you're doing. <laughs> he did do Harry and the Hendersons. He was a Bigfoot. That's right. Yeah. But uh, once again, way off topic. Way off topic. Um, what we're going to do, we're going to go and get close to the end of it. We're, we're almost there at the end of the show, but I want to get oh, from you your let me throw five. This in there. Okay, yeah, go ahead. Now go ahead. I can throw it in before I go. No, no, no. Go ahead. Let's, let's okay. go and get it. So, since we did the we did the king of the squints uh, martial arts repertoire, let's throw in the fact that uh, Van Dam is a third damn black belt in Shotokan, and he also trained in Taekwondo. But I said he didn't earlier. He did. <laughs> How, about How about that? that? Muay Thai. And kickboxing, which Muay Thai is a form of kickboxing. Muay Thai is older than kickboxing, but kickboxing is like a Western term that they put it's on. What it they like, in, it's what they did. It's didn't kickbox through the movie. Yes. Tong Po. Tong Po was a Muay Thai kick and Muay Thai boxer. They don't call it kickboxing. They call it Muay right. Thai boxer. Right. So kickboxing is a form of that. Not all kickboxing is Muay Thai, but all Muay Thai is considered kickboxing. Yes. So anyway. All right. So give me your five top Van Damme movies in your eyes. Mm. My five top five. My top five. My top five. No particular okay. order. Just no your particular five. order. My top five. I'm gonna go with Kickbox. I'm gonna go with Bloodsport. I'm gonna go with Universal Soldier. I'm gonna go with. Uh, I want to say um, Death Warrant. Um, I liked Lionheart. That'd be five. Yeah, All right. that'd be five. I'm gonna go, of course, with something representing Seagal. I'm going to go yes. with. Um, I mean, I love Above the Law, the first movie he had. Uh, and the I'm, I'm going with a lot of his early stuff, uh, but I like Above the Law. I like Hard to Kill. I liked Mark for Death, Under Siege, and for the fifth one, man, it's gonna be tough for me here. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, there's a few to choose from that I uh, like there. Um, I'm going to go for the fifth one, and I'm going to put Out for Justice on there. Ah, respect, respect. They ran, they ran crazy all over the city. Absolutely. It was, it was, it was something else. Absolutely. So, uh, well, you know, we're at that point now, Travis. Uh, yeah, I guess we got to wrap it up. 
We got to wrap up. We keep going on too much longer. We're going to bore people. I know. We're going to have to go ahead and tell them to look us up on all. Well, most of your major social networks. We're going to have to ask them to look us up on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. And TikTok. And if they want to contact us, you can catch us at RetroLifeForYou at gmail.com. And did I miss any? Our personal pages. You can look us up on our personal pages on Facebook. If you want to. I mean, if you want to. You may not like us in real life. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, Um, you you got our names on here. We're the same on there on Facebook. Uh, Absolutely. We would appreciate if you do go to the place where you listen to your podcast, Apple Music, iTunes, Spotify, Google, wherever you happen to look at it, go there, give us a rating, uh, leave some comments. I mean, a five-star rating would be awesome, but maybe we're only worth two. I don't know. But, you know, go there, leave us some comments, leave us a rating there, uh, share with your friends, uh, any friends you've got that like just remembering things from their, their early years and growing up. Surely we get a kick out of us as well. 100%. 100%. So and we'll become, I'm sure we'll be coming to YouTube pretty soon, too. Hopefully, we, we we are going to work on that. We're going to work on getting a second form of the show, not only doing audio, but doing a video show as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, not only that, when we do a video show, we'll do some, you know, some video extras, um, which uh, we'll talk more in depth about at a later time. We really have to uh, work that out a little bit and make sure we got the right things we want to do before we do that. But Right. But we got big plans in the works, guys. That's what we're trying to say. Absolutely. That's- All so. right. Well, Chris, it's been a good time. Everybody listening, I've had a blast talking about the King of Splits. And uh, me talking about the King of Squints. <laughs> I'm squinting right now. You can't see it, but I'm squinting got, right now. You get a soft voice. Are you splitting? I'm, well, maybe a little. <laughs> I got one leg stretched out. How about that? I got one leg straight at the desk. That's what we're doing. Okay, that'll work. Yeah. Well, until next episode, guys. Um, we thank you for being here listening to us. We hope to see you at the next episode as well. And we will see you then. So, Travis, we're calling it a night. Good evening, everyone. 